0: tomorrow night we're bringing God willing the message on the saving message of hell the saving message of hell if we would quit arguing about some things about the Bible teaching of hell and let what the Bible teaches about it speak to us we would learn three tremendous truths to the saving of our souls. Hell has a message of salvation. Tonight I am to speak on the Bible of God versus yours. Psalms 917 says don't turn to it I'm going to quote it and then we'll go to John 17:3. turn to that if you want to. Psalms 7, 917 says the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God the wicked shall be turned into hell and all the nations that forget God in John 17 and 3 we'll read verses 1 through 3 John's Gospel chapter 17 these words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven. These words, of course, refer to chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, where the Lord Jesus turns aside from the world and devotes four chapters to instruction of his own for their task. And after he finished speaking to his own, he looks up into the face of the Father and says, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him authority, or to be the word, ecstasy, authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, that they might know thee this is life eternal wonderful blessed this is life eternal where is it it's in the hands of the risen lord it's in the hands of god the son it's in the hands of him who's been given authority over all flesh it's his gift and it's the gift of himself. What is it? This is life eternal. And that they might know thee. That they might know thee. That they might know thee. There are two Greek words in the New Testament translated K-N-O-W. The Greek language so much richer than the English. It's impossible sometimes to get all of the rich in the Bible into the English language and here hidden here is blessed truth this means to know by experience this means actually to get acquainted with and experience the power of God somebody asked a friend of mine if somebody came to his city and claimed to be the son of God I said would you believe him if he claimed to be the son of God. And he said, if he did for me what Christ did, i believe Our fathers believed in what's called experimental religion. They didn't believe that a man was saved apart from coming into actual contact with the living God. They believe that power came from God into a man. That's what salvation is. And the Lord says that everything has been turned over to him by the Father, and the Father has given him, that's the Lord, authority over all flesh, in order that one thing should come out of everything being turned over to the Lord, two things, reality. For because all things have been turned over to the Lord Jesus in virtue of his death, then he's going to dispose of this world and save his people. So one of the blessed results of God the Father turning everything over to the Lord is that he's going to give eternal life to as many as the Father has given him. And then in the only verse of Scripture, that actually tells us exactly what eternal life is. We find it's not for Baptists to argue with Methodists about as to how long it lasts. Don't know it doesn't say anything about how long it lasts, but it does say something about how wonderful it is while it lasts. It's to actually know and to experience God. It's to actually be touched by God. It's to actually touch God. It's to experience God. It's to pass out of the realm of maybe soul into experience. This is the gift that the risen Christ has for sinners. This is eternal life. That they might not know Thee, the only true God. That they might know by experience Thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. You know that just thrilled me to death. If you find out the Bible so, not so, I hope you'll be kind enough to me not to inform me. Cause I like this verse of Scripture. This tells me I can be acquainted with God this tells me that the God of all power can touch my life change it keep on changing it this is a wonderful wonderful promise this is eternal life to know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ whom this only true God as sin. We are having a repetition in the day in which you and I live of the action of people way back yonder as recorded for us in the book of Romans chapter 1 and this beginning at verse 18 of the first chapter of Romans reads like the front page of your Ashland newspaper And we are without doubt experiencing in your lifetime and mine a great revival of people believing in God. There's never been anything like it since the world began. There's never been anything to compare with what's happened in the last fifteen years in the world. Everything that even claims to be a religion has experienced a tremendous surge of revival. Mohammedanism has ten missionaries for every Christian missionary in Africa. Billy Graham came back from Africa his African campaigns with a broken heart and it hadn't healed yet because he said publicly that nine out of every ten people who made profession of faith in Africa, in his meetings, stayed in the Mohammedan religion. Our preachers tell us that in Japan today that it's no trick at all to get people converted. The Japanese people, if you've had, ever had any dealings with them, are perhaps the most polite people on the face of the earth, and they would not dare to, uh, to, to say no. They'll do whatever you ask them. And our preachers have gone over, especially youthful Christ men, with a great deal of zeal. And they've had no difficulty at all in getting multitudes of Japanese people to accept Jesus as their Savior. But they tell us that what the Japs do, they accept Jesus as the Savior, and then they cut out a stature of what they think he looks like and put it upon the shelf with the rest of their idols. Just one more God. They tell us now that in Japan people will look you in the face and say, Jesus saves me from hell, but the emperor is my God. Well, I was talking to some preachers not long ago, and they just got back from Jamaica. That's where Sir Winston Churchill spends most of his vacations, There. And, uh, and uh, there are English people, English-speaking people over there, and it is the uh, pleasure spot and sin spot of the world. And the preachers went over there, some men as I knew very well, and they came back into in some of our Christian papers what they thought was something sort of startling. They said it over in Jamaica, it wasn't simply a question of professing to accept Jesus, it's a question of getting rid of their idols and their gods. And that they didn't receive people for baptism over there until there'd been a clean break with their old gods and with their old customs and with their old habits. But my friends, that sounds like American Christianity for just about everybody in America's got converted these last few years, and they've taken Jesus, and they put him up on the shelf with the rest of their gods. And we've got popular songs now that refer to the man upstairs and all the football teams pray that they'll knock the devil out of the opposing team. And every time a Negro wins a mox- boxing match, he says on the television, Hello, Mom, thank God I won. And everybody's powerfully religious today. Everybody's powerful religious today. Why, we're just silly trying to get people to believe in God today. I'll have you understand I'm not a heathen. I believe in God. And we're going to go on to hell believing in our gods a- unless we get acquainted with the only true God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Your trouble, my friend, is that you can't have two gods at the same time. And that one that you're now worshiping has got to be slain. And oh my soul, that furnishes a great challenge for God's people to pray that God who alone can save sinners, would hear our cry and kill the gods of our loved ones. Because the reason they do not feel any need of getting acquainted with the only true God and His Son Jesus Christ is they've got a God that gives them peace, they've got a God that satisfies them, they've got a God that calms their fears. They whittle them out with a pocket knife of their own imagination. And this generation has created gods for itself that let them wade knee deep in self and sin and still be as religious as all get out. It's not a question now trying to get people to believe in God. It's a question now of God's preachers taking God's word and entering into the arena and doing the dead level best with a hammer and anvil of God's truth to kill the gods that people have and leave them naked and stripped in the hope that when they lose the God that gives them peace now they'll be so orphaned that they'll look up and get acquainted with the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. This page that I've asked you to turn to reads like a modern newspaper. It's the record of men who didn't like the God of revelation, who didn't like the God of creation, and so they took their own pocket knives and made them gods that they could get along with, that they could be happy with, that wouldn't interfere with themselves, that would
1: leave them all right
0: and with self still on the throne. Let's read this record, this being repeated here, beginning at verse eighteen of the first chapter of Romans, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold down the truth in unrighteousness. Men hold down the truth so they can live unrighteous lives and still be at peace. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. And the reason they are without excuse is because that when they knew God, the God of creation, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened, professing themselves to be wise. They became fools. And they became such terrible fools that they got out their pocket knife and whittled them this kind of a god. They changed the glory of the uncorruptible god into an image made like the corruptible man. And pretty soon they got ahead of that god, and even this god that was created looked like a man, made them feel a little cup uncomfortable in their sins, and so they threw him away and got out their pocket knives and created some gods that looked like birds. And after a while, a god that is even created in the image of a bird made them a little uncomfortable in their sins, and they threw him away and got out their pocket knives and built them some gods that looked like four-footed beasts and that God as while got a little too holy and powerful and they threw him away and they got out the pocket knives and built them some gods after creeping things. That's the deception. You see, men have got to do one of
1: two things. They've got to get acquainted with the only true God who lifts them up or they've got to bring God down to where they can be happy in their
0: sins and still have a God. And this generation of people sunk so low that their conception of a God that they could get along with, be very religious, and still have no conflict. They create them gods after the manner of creeping things. Wherefore, when they got down that deep, God, three times in the rest of the chapter, doesn't say he pushed them, but he gave them up to dirty living, to vile affections, and to a reprobate mind. And that's a pretty good picture of America today. I won't talk to you out of my heart tonight, put it plainly. Whether you want to believe it or not, you're living. In a generation where religion is damning more souls than anything else, the arch enemy of your eternal soul is the popularity of a worship of God that our newspapers tell us we ought to do, and all the radio broadcasters tell us what we'll to church on Sunday. And everybody's powerful religious between drinks of booze, being cross they can sing white like Christmas like nobody's business, and even a crook like Frank Sinatra uh, can sing religious songs. And everybody's greatly interested in the man upstairs. But I'm telling you now, the God that comfortable well-satisfied church-going when convenient American people are acquainted with is not the God of the Bible. He's the God we've created to bring him down to our level where we can be religious, thank you, and sinful at the same time. Oh, my. What you need, my brother, is not a little improvement. You need the God to show mercy and kill the God you now worship and leave you absolutely naked without anyone to give you peace. For that's the only way he can get you to look to him, to look to him. I've never got in trouble fighting a few sins of the flesh. But I'll tell you what's fact. I tell you what's the fact, your God not going to give up very easily. That thing or that person or that affection that has the first place in your life, that's your God. And this is not just preaching tonight. In this fast moving generation where the business world is a jungle, And you've got the claw to make a living where society is rotten from top to bottom, where business is crooked from top to bottom, where everything outside of Christ is polluted and cankered in its own filthiness. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you now, you better be careful lest your business be your God. You better be awful careful lest your home be your God. You better be awful careful lest your children be your God. I tell you, you can't have Jesus Christ in your heart and share your affections with another God. Oh, my soul, this is the issue of this awful hour. I guess this generation gonna go to hell mostly unprayed for. And most of the time when we do say our prayers, we're begging God to bless our loved ones, and as long as God keeps blessing them like they're being blessed now, they're going to hell. They need to be orphaned. You know it's a lonesome thing not to have any God. Must be a terrible thing when you've got a God. And he fixed it so you sleep well at night. You prospered in your business and your children. You brought them up in church. And this is a tragedy that's all over the land now. And as soon as they get off on their own, they tell mom and dad to go to and forget God and the church and everything else. I tell you right now,
1: what we need now is for some gods to be slain and for some men and women to turn from the idols to the true and living God.
0: This easy business of getting saved now
1: that you just believe that Jesus did for you
0: and everything's all right. The devil believes that. But in the New Testament, Gospel
1: Paul would write a letter to a church that came out of heathenism and he'd tell them that the way they got out of heathenism was to turn from their
0: gods to the only true God. Several times in my life I've had the privilege of fellowship with a man who always goes over the same road. Years ago I was in a meeting in a southern state and there ran a line the radio station did and took the evening service and then from 10 to 11.30 at night they played it over the broadcasting station. And one night, I don't know why I did, but I said somebody's going to be listening to me preach as it goes out over the radio late tonight. That somebody to turn that radio off, put his hat and coat on, get in his car, and drive over here and look me up, and if you'll come, I'll tell you how to be saved. I don't know why I made such a fool statement. Anybody knows. that fellow wouldn't have to come and ask me to tell him how to be saved, but it did. And that night, there was a man 90 miles away, and dialing his radio. That man was naked. He was lonesome. He was miserable. Two weeks before, he'd gone to bed a millionaire, and he'd waked up in the morning a pauper. God can do that. Don't take God that long. He literally woke up a poker. His business was destroyed. And he was head over heels in death. He was a prominent church member. He was also the best poker player in that state, they said. They said he could drink more whiskey than any man they'd ever known. Just name it, and he is it. But he had lots of money. Boy, they didn't have any little old cheap organ like Joe. got. they had a $25,000 pipe organ, thank you, in the church. He worshipped his God in, and he wrote him a check for it. And lots of times while he drunk, he'd write out a big check <laughs> for the church. And because he put in so much money, and because he came from one of the first families in that state, He is a very prominent church member. Why, man, he had a God. A million dollars was his God. And he is very comfortable worshiping his God. But one night, God, the true God, showed mercy on that old sinner. And God, the true God, killed his God while he is asleep. And when he lost his God, he didn't know what on God's earth to do. Just wandered about. His wife told me, he said, it's pitiful to look at it. He never needed anything. He was a multimillionaire more. one time. While he's a prominent churchman, he had everything. And then he woke up one morning, didn't have anything. His God that he'd worshipped and lived for and made the center of his affections had gone up in smoke that night literally wife said he didn't have any business to go to and he didn't have any money and he's ashamed to show up at the church services and that everything is gone he said he just sits most of the time in the parlor day and late at night and dial the radio and that night he happened to dial on the radio and he heard my voice he didn't know me and turned it off and went over. finally dialed back and my voice came in he's sitting there listening And he heard my voice come out over that radio. Somebody's listening to the sound of my voice now. You need to turn the radio off. Get your hat and coat. Get in your car. And come to this town. And look up Evangelist Ralph Barnett. And if you'll do it, I'll tell you how God will save you. That man turned that radio off. Said, Wife, get your hat and coat. She said, What's going on now? Said, Didn't you hear the man? He told us to come to see him, and he'd tell us how to be saved, and she said, why honey, we don't need to go over there. I said, get your hat and coat. You hurt the man. We got to go. Now, anybody picked that pieces. but you know, God does things that we don't understand lots of times, and they drove 90 miles in their car, and they got to me about one or two o'clock in the morning, found out where I was being entertained. And he came and Waked me up And came in I'll never forget If for I live a million years And he came in And said I'm here I said who are you And he told me his name I said you're here what, What'd
1: you come for He said you told me to
0: I said when's that He said you said Over the radio There's a man listening to me needs to get on His hat and coat And get in his car And come and look you up And you said if I do it You'd tell me How God had saved me And I did And God did And God saved him. God saved him. But he had to kill his God for he could save him. I've seen that man a half a dozen times since. And every time he goes over the same road, he'll put his arms around me and he'll kiss me. And he'll nearly squeeze me to death. And he'll tell me how much he loves me because I told him what to do. And then he'll tell me how every night before his wife and he retired for the night to get out on their knees and thank God, the true God, that the true God killed his false God and left him without any hope and without any God. For ladies and gentlemen, unless I've missed it in 35 years of preaching, You'll never be interested in getting acquainted with the only true God. Until the God you now worship is smashed into a thousand pieces. And you're left orphaned with no one to turn to. For you'll never look up as long as there's anywhere else to look. And it's still true that is life in a look and nowhere else. Pray for God to smash the gods of your loved ones or they're going to hell. The God people worship today is not like the God of this book. He's not like the true God for the only true God is a God of holiness. Thrice holy Is the God of the Bible Holy, holy, holy Christ holy is almighty God This generation Has got some gods That make mock Of the holiness That God requires The God of the Bible Has placed before us In his book This statement I will be sanctified in them that draw near unto me. Oh, my holiness, thrice holy, is the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. The God of this generation is not like the true God of the Bible, the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the redeemer of sinful men, because the God of the Bible is a God of all power, a God of all power. I believe that preaching what I'm going to say now has cost me more heartache and cost me more tears and loneliness and money and everything else than anything else I've ever preached. And that is this, that this generation has been using God like a farmer uses a milk cow. All on God's earth, we've had any use for God for is to get something out of Him. And we've completely lost the Bible conception
1: that we breathe every breath we breathe as a free gift from a God who holds the nations in his hands and in whose sight all of the nations are but a drop in a bucket. The God in whose hands are our very breath?
0: the book of Daniel tells us, the God
1: in whom we live and move and have our being, and who could dare free three billion souls to hell
0: in the days of the flood and still be God, the same God who can open up
1: the earth
0: and drop 26,000 that follows the Korah in hell without ever time to pack
1: a suitcase. The God who literally wiped Sodom and Gomorrah and their decent cities off the face of the earth.
0: So there's no trace of them today. We are in his hand. We are in his hand. I think that I've made every mistake and trying to get the truth that can be made. I think I've gone off at every tangent that can be gone off of.
1: I think I've butted my fool head against about every wall that can be butted. But God knows I've wanted, and I would like to say to you tonight, that the greatest need of this hour is have all power through all of it.
0: And bring, bring men's attention to the fact that we are in the hands of the God of all power. And that our destiny is in his hands. And we better start looking to him and take the sinner's place. Lord, I'm in your hands. If you will, you can fix me up. It didn't fix me up. Because of this generation's got no power. That's the reason this is the most pessimistic hour the world ever faced. That's the reason you turn on your radio or television set every time you're home to the news broadcast. That's the reason the news broadcasts are the most looked at and
1: heard things on television and radio. We're wondering where hell's going to pop up on the next this world is coming apart at its feet because this world
0: is not acquainted with the God of the Bible and the men who serve as our leaders do not have a peace to live by and die by. But this world's in the hands of almighty God and all hell can't shake him off. I tell you right now, I may not keep treats better. But it's a solemn custom, it's a solemn thing with me, and it me is something to ride the river with, boys. I'm trusting a God of power, a God of power. You know, I don't blame uh, the movement of these last years to get rid of the Old Testament. They just fired the seminary professor in our Baptist ranks for calling Jesus a liar, for so that's what he did. He said Moses didn't write the first five books of the Bible. Jesus said he did. This professor, our Jesus Christ, is a liar. Jesus said, Moses wrote of me. This professor said the books of the Bible attributed to Moses were written hundreds of
1: years after Moses is dead. If if that professor's right, we got to throw out the whole New Testament, because whoever wrote the book of God. He's trying to fall over our
0: eyes and put something in the mouth of Jesus that he never said. And that's so why your guest is good as mine. We'll just have to all go to hell together.
1: And I wonder at the message this who talks about the
0: dirty, called God in the Old Testament that would actually
1: call upon the children of Israel to kill all of the Amorites and would tell his servant, Joshua, to kill uh, his servant, Saul, uh, Saul the, uh, the king, to kill all of the children, and the women, and the sheep, and the
0: whole country to move. They say that's the bully God, and our children ought not to read about it. I don't wonder that we're doing our dead level best to get rid of the Bible now, because the Bible tells about the most solemn thing I've looked at my eyes. God Almighty when he saw the bloodstream become polluted, killed, the scientists tell us, and I guess they know what they're talking about. I was amazed when they told me this. I didn't dream of it. They tell us that they can prove, scientists now that there were more people on the earth when the flood came than we're living today. and then the are nearly three billion people on the face of God's earth tonight. And they say the world more densely populated then than it is now. And Brother Mayhem, if this book is God's truth, God killed over three billion people at one time and sent them to hell.
1: God did that. God
0: did that. That's the God of power. God must change fear. God must be set against sin. God must be determined to deal with sin. Oh, if I knew how to preach this, I would. Way back younger.
1: Before there's ever a start, He'd explained it, glory to God, I believe it. God said his affection, old, and on And the dead and the him a member of the family of God.
0: And they saw the bloodstream out of which the Messiah was to be born a perfect man, Was in danger of being corrupted. Before he let me die without a crucified savior, he killed three billion people and started all over again. God serious about this salvation? This for the God of the Bible is set to punish sin and save sinners. God can't save sinners apart from dealing with sin. So the God of all grace did what these are the most monstrous things that ever was conceived of in the minds of men. Are the most glorious thing that anybody ever sing of. He came down here himself as a man and died on a cross to deal with sin and to save sinners. Oh, hallelujah. What a God. What a God. I pass over that for I'm going to dealing with it tomorrow night the message of this but I come in these closing moments to say that the God of the Bible is different from the nice little God people of God now because the God of the Bible has declared that he sends people to hell I have been utterly amazed at the inroads of unbelief in the last few years. Don't throw a book at me. Ladies and gentlemen, you're acquainted with anybody that actually believes that the God this book talks about will send them to hell? That's the awful thing I've ever seen. You mean to tell me? That God sent people to hell. The fastest growing theology in the world today is universalism. They are saying on
1: every hand now that man is of such infinite worth and God is so infinitely a good law that a man is too miserable
0: to be destroyed in hell and God's too good to send them there. That's growing faster in our churches today than we dream. I've had people sit in my audience and hoot at me and call me a false prophet while I preach and say he's a liar. He ought to be sent out of town. God won't send people to hell. And the very breath of the devils behind this, because unless it's true that God is so holy and he hates sin so badly that he'll have to, that he will, if he has to, send people to hell, if that isn't true,
1: then God's a monster and ought to be hated instead of worshipped
0: for hanging his son on a gory tree outside the city of Jerusalem. Or if there isn't any hell, God's the monster to hang his son on a cross to save people from a terrible guilt, from a terrible penalty that's just the imagination of our stupid minds. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, the shed blood of Jesus Christ and the awful fires of hell go together now and all of the attacks on hell, or simply an attack on the nature of God. For this generation has created a nice little God that is too good to punish sin. But the God of this Bible, oath upon oath, line upon line, precept upon precept, looks a squirrel in the face. And if you ever get acquainted with him, you'll have to get acquainted with a God who sends people to hell, for that's the kind of God the God of the Bible is. And he warns us that the wages of sin is death, and that God Almighty will by no means clear the guilty, and that the soul that sin it, it shall die. The Bible tells us that God sends people to hell for two reasons. He sends people to hell and keeps them there forever and ever and ever. God help us, this is awful. To restrain them and keep them from damaging his eternal purpose. You know what God's going to do? One of these days there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Some time ago I made a study of the book of Psalms. This will reward some of you Christians if you want to. You just read through the book of Psalms and see how many times in the book of Psalms God brings calamity on sinners as an act of mercy to his own people. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. In the new heavens and the new earth, nothing that defileth shall enter in.
1: Nevertheless,
0: we look according to his promise. For new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. For reasons God's never explained, if he has, I'm so dumb, I've never been able to understand it. He allowed sin to stick its ugly head up in this earth and put the thorns on rose bushes and the tears in baby's eyes and the heartbreak in mother's soul and the cemeteries outside the city. But thanks be unto God. God has promised one of these days, create a new heaven and a new earth. And there won't be anything in it to hurt or destroy or defile. And in order to do that, every sinner whom God can't give a new heart, fix him so he hates sin and loves righteousness, God's going to send you to hell keep you from tearing up the new heavens and the new earth. Why does God send people to hell? The God of this world won't send anybody to hell, but the God of the Bible says he's going to send people to hell, not to correct them, not to do them good, but to punish them. I've been trying to preach over 35 years. Oh, I I don't know what to say now. I don't even know how to start to begin to get ready to come in talking about how terrible sin must be. But it's terrible that if you die in unbelief, if you die not joined to the sin-bearer, if you die not joined to the substitute, if you die not under the cleansing blood, you're gonna come and meet face to face a God who knows how to preserve the liver, the godly out of temptation, and to reserve the ungodly until the day of judgment to be punished. God's gonna take off his strap and punish men and women who come into His presence with the taint. Of SIN, having been cleansed by the precious blood of the Son of God. I was in the city of Mobile, Alabama, on the radio, and God put hell on my heart, and I preached on hell and I made it hot about 25 minutes every day over the radio and began to spread and God began to scare people and people got to crying that God down on the streets they did and in the stores and almost had a revival and then the big shots began to pepper the owner of the station with their wires and their telephone calls and their threats and they demanded he get me off the radio and it's getting awful hot And they said the best citizens of our town can't sleep at night. They listen to that fool on the radio and everybody's talking about it. And we want him off. And he called me in, showed me some of the wires. some of the uh, repeated some of the telephone calls from the prominent citizens, and he is in a mess, and they're threatening to take their business away from the station. And I said to him, "If I were you, I'd I, I'd get rid of me. I don't want to ruin your business. You've been good to sell us time, and you backed us." And he said, "Preacher, if a go broke, you stay on the radio." He said, "This is the first time since I've been in this city I've seen anybody interested in God and." keep out of hell and said if it breaks me, if they take my license away from me you're going to stay on there I don't meet many like that but we saw God's word and one man wrote me a nice little pious letter and he said young man I've been listening to you on the radio and he said I want to offer you just a little bit of wisdom I'm older than you are and naturally my ears freaked up because I listened to somebody that knows more than I do because I don't know much and he said young man it won't do a sinner a bit of
1: good on earth
0: for God descending to, to hell. And the next day, without mentioning his name, I took his letter for a text, and I read his comment, Young man, it won't do a sinner a bit of good on earth for God descending the hell. And I said, Mister, you're exactly right. It won't do a sinner a bit of good on God's earth for God to send to hell. But God's not going to send men to hell to do them good. God help me. I don't know how to preach it. It's too solemn for me. About all I can do is weep in my heart and try to pray. If God sends you to hell, it'll be to punish you, not to do you good. Punish you for your sin. This is holy ground. God sends men to hell
1: to punish
0: Brother Henry, can you handle these things? They're too big for me. No wonder men don't like the God of this book and so they get one that's not holy. They get one that's not powerful and they cut them out a
1: little God
0: that won't punish but the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ sends people to hell.
2: This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reformed books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com